You know, when I was in Delaware 11 years ago, there was John 16 written all my way home. I was in Delaware, and right after Newark, Delaware, was Landenburg, Pennsylvania, where I lived. But it was only 20 minutes from the church, so I lived on a lot of acreage out there, and it was a very peaceful thing. And actually, the home was given to me to live in by a, a parishioner who had it on her property. And I was very blessed for those years to be there. And all the way on that trip, I would see like on old barns, you know, John 16. Then I would see it like on, on a sign that somebody had put up for a garage sale or whatever. Somebody would spray over it after the garage sale is over. And then the first thing that I saw when I was driving up to the land for which we were going to build uh, the church over up in Erie was a sign that was a for sale sign. Of course, it was all sold already. And what was sprayed on there? Can you guess? John. <laughs> so I said, oh, I must be home. <laughs> I must be home. Now, it doesn't seem as popular as it used to be, by the way, as it was 10, 11 years ago. You'll see less of those signs graffitied everywhere. So I find that a little interesting. You'll see old ones, but you won't see so many new ones. Now, why is that? That's another question and maybe another sermon, because I don't really know the answer, I could guess. But right now, we're dealing with a Pharisee. A Pharisee, which means he has status, and he's a leader, and he hears about Jesus. He maybe even heard some of Jesus speaking. So he's interested. He's drawn. And I think what we can look at this very clearly, he comes in the night. So he comes in darkness and he's seeking light. He's coming in not knowing and seeking knowledge. And what is knowledge that he's seeking? Of God. Because he's very intelligent and he realizes this is not a sham. This is not a lie. I've heard this guy has healed people. He said some things and done some things that only a person who comes from God could do. So I'm going to sneak out, and I'm not going to let the other Pharisees know that I'm interested in this healer. I'm going to go, and I'm going to see. And Jesus tells him, you're here, basically, but you still don't understand. Because how could he? How could any of us really understand the mystery of God? If you figured it out, you better share it with the person next to you. Because we doubt it, we wonder what it really is, but we feel it. What we do is we feel it. We know it up here, but we feel it in here. No one can take that feeling from you. No one can change your mind. You can move away and separate yourself from the knowledge of God. You can lose interest, but you can never really understand the feeling, the way it's really meant to be. It moves you. It transfigures you. It changes things. So for God so loved the world. Now that statement seems very, very important to people, and I find it very interesting. Now you notice I haven't been using my sermon. Do you think I've given this sermon before? <laughs> I have. And I find that when I write about it, I get closed in in language. I start using, we are made for God. Remember I say that every week, and we are born again, we live through God. 
blah, 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 blah. And when we see that John 16 on billboards, it becomes a blah, blah, blah. Who wrote that? Oh, you know, maybe it was this person or that person or this type of Christian or that type of Christian. But this is kind of an absolute total love is what we're really reading about. So if we open our hearts and minds, we can really understand more about this mystery. I went and had a manicure yesterday, just so you know. So I got all tidied up just for you. And I went and had a manicure yesterday. And the man who did my manicure had been a monk. He had been a monk. He was an Asian man, very, very quiet and very detailed, and I, I found him a little interesting. So he began to share a little, because you know, my mother said I could get blood from a stone. And so he began to share a little about his life to me. And he had been a monk for many years. He was Vietnamese and in Vietnam, he was raised Catholic, and then he went into a monastery very young, which is kind of a borderline Buddhist thing to do, and not exactly a Catholic thing to do, but the tradition was there. Then he ended up in Christ the Desert in New Mexico, and he was there for 10 or 12 years. I couldn't remember what he said, but he did say this. He said, I was there, and then I felt disenchanted by my faith. That struck me. I thought, how could one become disenchanted by their faith? He says, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus is God's son who came into the world to free us from our sins and our brokenness and to lift us up. But I don't believe in organized religion. And that struck me this way. We look around us and we say, okay, we know that people don't care about organized religion so much anymore. They want to be ecumenical spiritual people, whatever that might be. In fact, I have a story about that. I'm going to go into another story. I was getting my hair cut when I was in, well, I've gotten it cut many times, but I was in Berkeley at the time in seminary. And Marcel and I were just married and we had only one car and he came uh, to pick me up and he was sitting, you know, on the chairs that you do when you're waiting for someone to go next. And he heard two people talking and one person said to the other, two women, and one person said to the other, you know, do you believe in God? Oh, yes. And the other woman uh, said, yeah, I do too. And she says, well, what religion are you? And she said, I'm an ecumenical mystic. Now, we don't know what that is, do we? We don't know what an ecumenical mystic is. Now, why am I telling you this when I'm also telling you about John 16? Because we can, you know, uh, like balsamic vinegar, we can, we can distill something down to its thickness or to the final meaning, and we can say, yeah, God died for us and gave his son for us. But what does it mean? It doesn't mean ecumenical mystic because we're not naming Christ. So as we go through our life and as we experience our faith, we have to remember the presence of Christ. If we do not, then we will move away from the church. And this is the thing that I will leave with you today. Forgiveness transforms us. We can forgive those who are almost unforgivable. And we lose aggression when we forgive. We lose anger when we forgive. 
and we begin to understand that we are very much like Nicodemus. We don't understand why Christ is Christ. We don't understand how that miracle happened. It's a mystery. But we can go in the middle of the night and call out on Christ, even not understanding, and we can be transformed. We can understand that regardless of what I know about this presence, I know it's a presence from God. And that's the total talk here. That's the information that we're getting. We move from darkness and we move to light and we get a glimpse. And we begin to understand that God loves us. And it's absolute. So with that, I say amen.